um, they don't re pre-record. And they just go. Yeah, it's all live. Yeah. So they have it all at a mixer and everything so they can hear themselves and make sure that, that the mic doesn't check off and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So when you say hear themselves, like, it's like, so I could hear you through my mic or like I could hear myself? I could hear the whole conversation. Yeah, it's oh. just the, it's like your entire mic, like when you do it in the mixer, all the mics go in and then there's a line, then there's lines out. Mm. So then those lines out go to headphones and then you can hear what's going, th like only the things going through the mixer is what's going to be going out. Sure. Them. So they have a live feed. They have one guy who does um, like, hey, can you pull this up for us? And then he's like their intern and, uh, he'll pull, okay. and then he'll pull up something on the screen and it's all live. So he doesn't have to do any post mm. processing. It's kind of nice. <laughs> you need a lot of money to do that though. It's like, he has like, I think a four camera setup or four, four or five camera setup. And then on each one, he has to have it uh, connected to some sort of live broadcasting thing. So you have to have a camera plus the hardware that makes it live. And then it has to go into a... But how does he determine which camera angle to show? Oh, so, so on the computer, like the, his, inner, his intern has to press like one. To uh, you know, and it switches. Okay. Yeah, so you have to have it's a very expensive setup. Like you have to have all the cameras, and then you have to have um, a dedicated computer that's bringing the feeds in yeah. and then ha outputting it to the internet. So it's yeah, it's not cheap. So, <laughs> but um, I have to sync the audio. So let me just clap. Mm -hmm. All right, that should be good. Okay. All right. Ready for episode two? <laughs> Ready when you are, my friend. All right. So we today we have uh, Ron Rivers, who is the CEO of Love to Brew, and what the founder and CEO of uh, our society as well, right? Technically, it's like executive director. I just okay. call myself the founder. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. And then you are also a BJJ black belt. Um, with a pretty extensive background, um, trained, you know, with some pretty influential people. Um, and also you're a recently happy, happily married guy. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. About to join you soon. So, uh, thank you so much for coming. Um, this is episode two and you know, it's, uh, it's been a long time coming. You know, I think we've been talking about this for what, like, over a year, you know, a couple, couple months, to close to a year now. Um, I've been going through a lot of things in life, trying to get this stuff, you know, ready. But now that we're on, you know, ready to go, just pushing it, right? Yeah, I mean, better late so, than never. Right? Exactly. There's no, yeah. uh, it's not a race. Yeah, exactly. So thank you so much again. Um, you know, I, I definitely uh, really appreciate you coming in. I think. Uh, Ron is somebody that's helped me personally a lot in my own personal life. Um, you know, we've had breakfast like, you know, 6 a.m. at the uh, Omega Diner. And um, I was going through some really tough times. And Ron was one of the people that I kind of looked up to. Just looking at his life and kind of seeing that, you know, we're, we're quite similar in age, right? Uh, what are you, 30? I just turned 34. Oh, you just turned 34. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going to turn 33 next year soon so i'm a little behind you but um yeah I, I just looked up to you you know you you were doing a lot in your life and just for whatever reason you were just 
never stopping. Like I just thought that was incredible, and I, it was something that I wanted to mimic. So you know, I, I'm I really appreciate the time you gave me, you know, for breakfast, and um, yeah, to just share your wisdom with me and kind of help me to, you know, basically go on to where I wanted to get. But um, yeah, man. So tonight, um, I wanted to first talk about you know your martial arts experience. Sure. Um, you know, I, I mean, to think that you know you're doing all these things but you're still training you're still you know doing your bjj um you know you're a black belt you you come in open mats in the mornings you know you're still training and still going like explain explain your background explain where you've come from how when you started all that kind of stuff sure so uh, first thank you for having me i really mm -hmm. appreciate it super appreciate the kind words it's very very, <laughs> very touching um so my martial arts background starts i mean technically with wrestling um i was an overweight kid in middle school uh, uh, very, I guess that. very anti-social um i was really into like magic cards you know and mm -hmm. uh, you know then puberty hit and then you go through these weird range of emotions where you're like do I ever want to talk to a girl in my life? If, <laughs> if so, you know, maybe I need to lose some weight. Maybe I need to do some things. I weigh um, the same amount, if not a little less now at 34, that I weighed in, in eighth grade. You know, uh, it's crazy. I never knew that about you, but that was the same exact story as Yeah, me. like yeah. I was about once, I, I think I wrestled, uh, I think I showed up to the first day of wrestling practice around 178, wow. you know, being whatever I was, 5'4", <laughs> and you know, an orb. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was, so that was it. And, and my wrestling career was, was, um, both incredible and lackluster. Um, so I was never good. You know, I ended my high school career with, a, I think a below 500 record, um, not too far below, but I think wrestling for me, um, was, I was a technical wrestler, but I, I was, uh, just in terms of growth, I wasn't very strong. I was coming from like this fat kid body. I didn't really know how to work out. I definitely didn't know how to like eat and diet and exercise correctly. So that was always, I was like, I'd be up like, you know, eight pounds one day and I'd have a match. I have to lose eight pounds that day. And the <laughs> next day I'd be up the eight pounds. But, um, you know, wrestling, I, I think was a really fundamental part of my development as a person, um, which then translates to jiu-jitsu. Um, wrestling taught me just the value of persistence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just despite, you know, not, not winning that often and and you know I, I think again i think i was technical but i also don't think i had the mindset for it i didn't really get the competitive like um you know ferociousness for lack of a better term when you compete you know, until jujitsu um wrestling i was afraid you know i was definitely mm. afraid to step on the mat almost every time it just win or lose wow. um and i would do well wrestling was funny because i would do well um you know when it didn't matter I'd go to summer tournaments, like I'd go to summer wrestling camps and be like 14 and 0. Um, but then I'd wrestle some guy, one of the guys I knew from a club in like the counties and I'd lose first round, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, um, when the pressure was on, I just wasn't really good at it. But yeah, so that's how I started with wrestling. And then when I went to college, um, and I also started doing Muay Thai in high school, like at the oh, end okay. of wrestling, I started doing briefly Muay Thai. Um, went to college and for the first year I kind of just wrestled on and off and then my second year my sophomore year I started jiu-jitsu and I remember I'll never forget I was uh, the I trained under Matt Sarah the Sarah Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy uh, which is still in, in New York and Long Island um, they have two academies and the first one they they called East Meadow it was a, kind of like this like dungeon it was a real you know it was real <laughs> it was, it was a, I loved East Meadow but I remember um, standing outside the building and right next to the building was a kung fu school 
Wow. <laughs> and I remember looking at both, being like, man, <laughs> kung fu would be awesome. You know, like knowing how to do like the crane style. You know, not knowing the depth of like actual like the value of MMA and the value of martial arts. Um, I ended up choosing to go jujitsu because um, I was, you know, I just thought that my wrestling background would be beneficial in, in that way. Um, and it was actually my second time in the school. The first time I went, I went, I just didn't feel comfortable with the, the process. And the second time I did, and, uh, and that's how it started, you know. Um, I trained uh, for about, until I got my blue belt, I was training like two days a week, two or three days, because I was like poor, it's what I could afford in college. Um, but then, after I got my blue belt, I started training like five, six days a week. Mm. Um, and I continued that for like seven years until I got my black belt. Wow. Um, oh, so, so how long oh, did not it even. It took me like, I got my black belt like right after my seventh year anniversary, I think. Wow, so, that's incredible. Yeah, it was... I was very into it. It was a big part of my life. Um, you know, talking about wrestling, how I learned persistence and just you, know, you just um, not giving up. Just learning that you know you can wrestling. Really, at my stage in my life, taught me that you can succeed at something. You know, you can do this. You can push yourself. Um, Jiu-jitsu really taught me mastery mm -hmm. and really just like knowing what it is to focus and honing your focus because um, that's something that I've transferred to my business and professional and, and just you know, relationships. Um, but, but that's really what I gained from jujitsu was understanding what it takes to, to really master something, an art, you know, yeah, whatever it absolutely. might be. Um, and the secret is just showing up, mm -hmm. right? It's just showing up. That's, that's the crazy secret. Yeah. yeah just, just show up. And, um, so that's that. Uh, what else did you, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little off track. Oh, no, um, We're talking about like just the jujitsu. Yeah. So I was really competitive for a long time. Um, but same thing, you know, I remember like after the Pan Ams I had lost and, and I remember um, talking to uh, Matt after and, you know, I just think I was just telling him like, you know, I just don't know that competition is for me anymore because like, I just couldn't get over the mental barriers of that like high level, mm -hmm. high pressure competition. I was in the best shape of my life. I really felt like I, I could have won that tournament like pretty ha handedly, like pretty handedly, like watching the other guys wrestle after I had lost. If it was in like a casual environment, you know, I think I would have done really well. But, you know, that's not competition, you know, yeah. and that's it. Like competition is not a casual environment and there is a huge mental aspect. Mm. Um, and that was kind of where I like knew, okay, like I'm going to continue to enjoy jujitsu. It's going to be a part of my life, probably for the rest of my life until I can physically do it. Yeah. Um, but I'm not, I'm not going to seek competition anymore. It changed the paradigm. Like I wasn't trying to prove myself through through competition mm. um and then um i ended up moving back and then i yeah, moved back to new jersey over to business and then I, I went back to long island a couple months later and that's when i got promoted at like a, a seminar oh wow and that was about i mean i guess seven years ago i've been a black belt for about seven years now it's incredible yeah i mean i don't think it's incredible but i appreciate yeah. that but it's uh you know i've just been doing it a long time yeah you know, i've been between wrestling and jiu-jitsu now it's been about over 20 years on the mat nonstop. Mm. like i haven't taken a week off in 20 years maybe that's a lie maybe i think like, maybe i got injured i'm sure i got injured <clears> at some <throat> point but i never like was like i'm gonna stop doing this yeah you know like yeah you show up no yeah even when i was injured i'd show up and drill drill yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. wow so what you what year would you say you got your black belt it's probably the year 2011 Okay. No, I know that because it's when I opened Love to Brew. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was like it was the same year. It was like it was like right as we opened. It was like I think I got it like right after we opened. Wow. So I started. I literally started training a year 
before you opened Love to Brew. Then. Oh, is that it? Yeah, huh? I started. I wow, started in 2010. really? Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. I think I took that same mentality where, like, I was a fat kid as well. I didn't really do well. I tried wrestling. I cut. I quit um, my first year because of the there was some weird hazing stuff. Yeah. I didn't want to be a part of. Where did you go to high school? I went to Franklin. Franklin. Okay. Uh, high school. So I mean, you're from North Brunswick, right? So you, yeah. I'm pretty sure you know our antics out there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I you know I was told I had some skill and I had this fire inside and I definitely felt that I, I always felt that like this this drive to want to be great at something yeah that revolved around fighting you know it's just you know you grow up in an Asian family and they're like that's a waste of time <laughs> you know yeah. go, get, go become a doctor right? yeah um so I never really got to pursue that I bought like uh like me and my brother would just beat the mess out of each other without our parents knowing we would buy boxing gloves and then we and then we would just practice moves on each other just yeah. beating the mess out of each other um he's actually a pretty good boxer but um i i actually made fun of jujitsu i thought it was stupid yeah you know i was like just like you like oh if i could just learn kung fu and just yeah, yeah. you know one-handed punch you know and knock a guy out then what do i need to go on the ground for you know but um that's that's when my buddy was like yeah, I'm actually going to have him on the show as well. He's the one that introduced me to Jiu Jitsu. David? Yeah, David, yes. yeah. So, you know, he was like, oh, man, um, if you think you, you could just beat a Jiu Jitsu guy, then you should just do a tournament. So I went into a tournament with no training. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, Beast of the East, <laughs> Grappler's Quest. And um, he just showed me the rule system, and then he trained me for two weeks. Um, the moves, yeah. like like okay, well, this is how you get points. So, I actually went up against this guy, and you know everybody was telling me like, oh, he definitely was a sandbagger. Guy was like a wrestler. Yeah, you know, he was trying to take me down and stuff. But I did pretty well. I actually lost my points. You know, I didn't get demolished or whatever. But um, after that feeling, I was like, this is what I need to be doing for the rest of my life. Yeah. And then um, at that time, Dave, uh, well, well, Brian was my coach, you know, or you know, yeah. the, the owner of Advanced. Um, was training at, out of Blues, which is yeah. Dave's uh, instructor. So he was like, oh, yeah, you know, Brian has an MMA fighter in the UFC. He does all this stuff, and he's right down the road from me. So. Dude, I tell you I've known you long. That's crazy. Yeah, right? Isn't it crazy? That is. No, I've uh, known you for about, yeah, it's since 2011, years, yeah. seven years, yeah. The, so. you, what, it's funny because I, I can relate to, like, you know, you used to get called, like, gay for wrestling, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. First yeah. off, like, that's even an insult. That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but second off, like, the, you know... It's not that there's anything wrong with no, no, that's my point. It's, <laughs> yeah, not, it's not an insult, yeah. um, it's silly, but you know, high school and high school, yeah. it's also, by the way, high school 20 years ago, not mm -hmm. high school today. Like, exactly, consciousness exactly. has evolved, but <clears throat> you know, one thing I always loved about wrestling, even in like middle school, and what I still love about jujitsu, it's the one of the only, in fact, it's the only sports, you know, in martial arts, are the only sports where it's only you and the guy, right? If you win, you win, and mm -hmm. if you lose, you lose. There's no one else to blame. It's not that your quarterback threw a bad pass, right? It's not yeah. that your teammate like missed exactly. the layup, exactly. right? It's like it's all on you, and that's a lot of burden to bear. And I've always loved that aspect of it. And you know, certainly wrestling is not uh, looked upon as the, um, you know, you, you mentioned your Asian heritage and, and just the, you know, yeah. the strictness, but um, it's something that I would totally, um, if nothing else, I swear the best part about wrestling jiu-jitsu is losing. Like mm -hmm. it's just the best part because. Yeah. It's just the most humiliating, humbling experience. Mm -hmm. 
and then you just get up and do it again, you know? And it, it just breaks your ego to a point where <laughs> you go to, you know, anything else in life, you're like, this is not that big of a deal, you yes. know? Like, it's not. Absolutely. Um, and I kind of want to back, you know, I don't want to sidetrack your interview too much, no, but absolutely. The, being a fat kid, right? So has that given you, have you had the you know, introspection on your, like the way you are and the way you think? Have you ever thought about how that's impacted you as an adult? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, right? Oh my gosh, it's like, you know, you have all these like, um, flashbacks, you know, moments, you know, a lot of your confidence as a man, which, you know, I definitely can get into, um, it, it, it hinges a lot in your childhood. Yeah, right? sure. Like, <laughs> like being a fat kid. I mean, there's so many girls that I liked, you know, in middle school and whatever. And it's just like, that you, you were know, invisible to. Yeah. Invisible. Yeah, invisible. Yeah. You know, there's no way you could, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, it is what it is, but um yeah it, it there's like a sting there right yeah and it's like i never ever want to go back to there um you know and and that was like a drive to 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 really push you know it's like you you you, you when you're like a fat kid and just like the world kind of like looks down on you yeah you get you there's a ton of anger like just yeah. grows inside That's so funny man you know yeah. and like you know like you, unfortunately some kids you know they take it out on the wrong way which yes. is you know they, they turn to you know, very insane levels of violence, you know, um, or even, you know, self-harm. But um, for me, like, I grew up watching martial arts stuff. My favorite movie of all time is Bloodsport. Yeah. That's actually what, like, you know, got me into the whole martial arts stuff. Is like, man, I want to fight. Like, yeah. I just want to fight, man. I want to be like Jean-Claude Van Damme and just go to this kumite and just fight everybody, you know. But, um I couldn't do that, you know, I was yeah. this fat kid that had to focus on studying, you know, and you build this animosity towards people, you know, that put you down your whole life. And I actually grew up getting into a lot of fights. Like I got too, into a lot enough. of fights in school, yeah. um, on the bus, like I was always looking for a fight, but as you kind of, you know, get more mature and grow up and realize, okay, I can get into a lot of trouble <laughs> doing this type of stupid stuff. Um, yeah, I remember I got into a fight in uh, middle school and in, in I went to this school called Hillcrest and this kid just bumped into me and I just started swinging off on him. And then the, the guidance counselor pulled me and aside um, afterwards cause we got caught and she was like, I'm going to call your parents and let them know what you did today. And I just started crying cause I knew I was going to get beat. Like I knew when I, <laughs> as soon as I got home, I was gonna get the crap beat out of me, so I was like, "I'm never. I, I need to never do this yeah. again." But that fire was always there, you know. And as yeah. you're as you're getting older, like this flame just constantly grows. And unfortunately, uh, many years I was like depressed and sad, yeah. and I didn't really have an outlet. I could have, well, I mean, you know, during another period of my time, I went that dark route. But uh, just in high school into college. I, I was very introverted, didn't care, you know, um, and and thought a lot about self-harm stuff. But, you know, in, in college, I found my faith and, you know, that changed a lot of the play, playing field for me. In that Religion sense. did for you. Really, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, but it wasn't enough to get that inner animal out. There was still... Were you still heavy in college or no? I was still pretty heavy, yeah. yeah? I was about uh, a buck ninety to to close to two hundred pounds. Okay, that's not like yeah. the worst, but yeah, I no, understand. it wasn't terrible, yeah. but you know, you're I, out of shape. I could probably like lick my yeah, nipple. <laughs> I can't do that anymore. But um, you know, like yeah, yeah that, it was pretty bad. That's but. interesting. I I like hit 
because I started wrestling when I was like in do 13. So yeah. like puberty and wrestling, the combo of that um, gave me, you know, I, I shot up and I kind of got skinny, but you mm. know, it's, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. For me, it was like, it led to a lot of like socially awkward situations. And I never was in the self-harm camp. Um, and I was always pretty, even when I was heavy, I was like, um, you know, I, I felt like a, an air of charisma. Like I like to talk to people. I, was, I wasn't afraid to do that. Um, but you know, there's things like, so it, it, for a period, it gave me a very, um, I think almost like a warped you know, view of relationships mm -hmm. in a way. Um, I don't think I had the right priorities for a long time, you know, because I think I felt so denied that once I had the ability to, you know, have affection, that I kind of used it in a way that, you know, probably wasn't that mentally the healthiest way for myself. Nothing abusive, nothing, ter you know, nothing mm -hmm. harmful to anyone else. Um, but just, you know, just something that I look back on and say, okay, you know, I, I know why I did that, those things, and I know why I, you know, felt the way I did yeah. in, in retrospect, mm -hmm. um, but certainly not what I would consider like a healthy view on relationships. And, and now even, um, this is transitioning, but my wife also, when she was younger, was a little heavier. So it's funny because oh, wow. we, we hmm. both have food and, and she works out all the time and we both have like this weird, like, we call it the fat kid syndrome, like we're, you know. Man, there's some Saturdays where we'll consume hey. like 9,000 calories. You know, like it's just like... Yeah, that's a, it's cheat days, man. You yeah, gotta have them. Yeah, yeah. But that's you know, it. You gotta you know, have that, them. But that's exactly it. I think that what we've developed that's really worked for us is just a strong sense of discipline. You know, yeah. like we have mm -hmm. our day. Like Saturday is usually our cheat day. It's yeah, almost, same here. It's very consistent. Same here, Saturday. Because um, that way Sunday you can reset and then mm -hmm. like you're on your week and you're good. And, and we'll cook on Sunday for the whole week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're both vegetarians. Yep. So that, that works out for us. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy. Like when you are introspective and you meditate on these thoughts and you, you reflect in your life, it is crazy how you, when you're in a place in your life where you, you can't really comprehend and you can't really work through the thoughts, how you kind of compensate, you know, with your actions. And, yeah. I, you know, you said anger. I was also very angry. As kids. It's really funny how, you know, being two parallel different worlds. I mean, you know, and just having the same exact experience. Yes. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah, that's interesting. Totally different lifestyles, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know. But um, yeah, it is it is very interesting. I mean, even though, yeah, you're when you touched upon the relationships part. Um, I mean, I did have a lot of relationships also back in you know that time. Yeah. Even though I was a little bit heavier, I mean, I still had swagger. You know, it was like, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, I break dancing and stuff. Like I was a fat kid, I was break dancing. Nice, but. Um, you know, I, I still had, but the, but the way I looked at relationships was very unhealthy. Yeah. You know, it's totally. like, it's like, this was my world and, you know, I had to be, you know, if I didn't make this girl happy or whatever, um, you know, I, 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 I was meaningless or I was worthless, you know, stuff like that. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, like my, you know, if I, if she left me, then I'm even worse than, you know, uh, than who I was before her, you know? Oh, like, wow. Okay. It was very, like, this weird... Yeah, I get it. You know, it's like, oh, well, she likes me even though I'm overweight and, you know, uh, like yeah, this. Yeah. Then, you know, either I'm super lucky or she's stupid. You know? <laughs> 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 yeah. You know, but, um, no, back in that time, you know, you're young. You really don't know anything about relationships and, yeah, you that's know, how We all learn the hard learn, way, right? You gotta learn, yeah. yeah. That's the, you know... Unfortunately, that tends to be the best way because <laughs> it really sticks. Yeah. But um, yeah, the way they say, what's that saying? It's like a fool learns from the 
uh, from their own mistakes, but a wise person learns from the mistakes of others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, no, that's, that's, that's what I'm trying to do now, yeah. learn from other people. So, But um, yeah, so your advice uh, in terms of the martial arts, um, for you know other guys that are pursuing after their black belts yeah. and things like that. And I, you know, I know you've trained with, you know, uh, you mentioned Chris Weidman, uh, well, who used to be you know UFC champ. Um, you've trained with some big guys that were a part of that Donaher Death Squad, um, leg lock guys, and yeah, all yeah. this stuff. So I mean, Wyman specifically. I mean, I wasn't like his main training partner. Wyman no, yeah. came in like right as I was leaving, like that kind oh, of transition okay. period. So I mean, I had rolled with him. Yeah, Wyman. So a story about Chris Wyman, and he probably doesn't even remember this, but I remember Wyman coming in, and. He was like brand new, and the first time we rolled, I mean, he had never done jujitsu, and I think I got him like in a guillotine, right? And um, Wyman's significantly larger than I am. I'd say within like two to three months of training, I couldn't tap out. I was a brown belt at the time. He had never done jujitsu, so he was there for two to three months, and I couldn't tap him out. Wow. I think it was like the sixth month when he tapped me out for the first time. So, you know, he was a, a phenomenal, I mean, his wrestling pedigree was phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're, those of you guys who are listening, if you're not aware, um, Chris placed, I think, second in the NCAA's his senior year, um, and he he's just a, a phenom. But then, you know, what was always I found so fascinating about Chris is like you listen to guys like Matt and Ray Longo talk about him, and they're like, this guy's on another level. So when yeah. I hear guys like Matt, who, you know, rolling with Matt Sarah for you know even when I got my black belt and even like as a high level brown belt, I always felt like a white belt. Matt. Matt was just next level and yeah. that's why it's like i always try to stay super humble you know people when you move schools and and you don't have like the the sarah academy is just i mean yeah without a doubt one of the best schools in the country they just yeah. have so much talent it's, it's connected to henzo's group i yeah, mean that's he's under him matt right? has it's done just, a phenomenal yeah. job and now it's like you have the new generations of got heroes i think um for example So the new crop of guys, now you have like Jason Rao. I think I gave Jay Rao his intro, but if I didn't give him his actual intro, I was certainly like teaching classes when he was a white belt. Mm -hmm. um, Jason is now like one of the up and cutting Don Donahair Deskweb guys. Um, Jason's just ascended to a level that is, uh, I think I rolled with him like two or three years ago. I went up to Long Island, maybe even longer than that, I don't know. Um, but he crushed me, crushed me. I mean, just destroyed. And it was yeah. just, I was so proud, so, so humbled and so proud. But I mean, that's just it. Like when you have a school, you know, I came up, when I started, I think the highest guys, aside from like Matt, Nick and Joey and Tom Muller were um, like purple belts, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and it, it was kind of really like, when I came to, to Advance, it was kind of the same thing. And now Advance is kind of getting to the level where it was when I left, we have all these black belts. But now fast forward like seven years, you got new guys who are starting and you'll have classes where like there'll be like 10 black belts rolling at once. You know, that was unheard of, you know, 11 years ago or how, whenever I started, you know, um, about, I guess, 14 years ago. Yeah. Um, so it's just like the, the new school of guys, just, they're just reinventing the game. And I think that that's one thing you lose, you know, when you're not taking it as seriously, you're just not up on the trends. But I, I think as a black belt, especially someone who's not like a world-class competitor, that's what you have to learn to just you know, a accept but be learned from like i love it when we have blue belts who are gonna you know show me the honey holes and heel hook me yeah. in and tap me out it's like because a i'm not ashamed to tap i have no you know i think it's great if if lower belts tap me because that means the guys the instructors are doing a great job and i teach the classes so you know, i i'm very proud of that and 
And B, it's how I learned. You know, yeah. I'm not I'm not on YouTube, but I know what it's like to have that fire. You know, I was there at one point. Yeah. Now for me, it's just a, a lifestyle. It's just something I really enjoy, and mm -hmm. um, it's it's you know the level of mastery makes it almost like effortless in yeah. a sense. Like you're just there. You're present. You know, it's a meditative mm -hmm. state, and I, I really like that about jujitsu. Um, it's it's just an athletic meditation. Yeah, it's a. I think. At some, I mean, I still hope to compete for a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I know that mindset though, where at some point it will be um, more of a longevity battle with longevity, yeah. longevity, right? Where you're trying to really stay away from injuries. Yeah. And, yeah. Totally. You know, I mean, that's the biggest killer for anybody. It's just a the major demoralizer. You know. Yeah. But. That's advice I give a lot of the guys in, in class. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I just say tap early and tap off. And that's something I learned as a black belt. Like when I was not a black belt, I was not like, ah. doing it. Yeah, I was just like, I was just wanting to kill guys. But, you know, I think it's that. And then like, I think one of the big things that um, you, this is just happening recently because, um, you know, we, we've had a string of injuries at the academy and I think we have to do a better job just thinking out loud because, you know, it's a jiu-jitsu yeah. podcast. But teaching guys to control their submissions, I think that like what you a lot of the injuries are because guys, you know, they're so excited to get the tap that they're just being really more aggressive than they need to be to mm -hmm. get the tap. Yeah. And, and, and that's how accidents happen, yep. you know, and, and that's a shame. So, yeah, like you said, like, you as you mature, it's, it's just about not getting injured. So mm. that's why I don't mind tapping out. If, if Blue Belt's got me in a weird heel hook position and I'm not, like, going to get out, I'm not going to wait to see if he rips my ankle <laughs> off, you know. Like, I'm yeah. not doing that. Um, same thing if my arms extended, you know, it's just, just, yeah, just go. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Um, I'll probably be there in a couple of years, <laughs> yeah, great, man. but, um, yeah. So, you know, moving forward, um, I appreciate, you know, you saying before that jujitsu and, and the mentality of it and that and wrestling, how it's just not giving up yeah. and just going has pretty much taken over every other area in your life. And, you know, you're very successful with your business. Um, and now you're, you know, uh, moving on to this nonprofit. Um, talk a little about your, your for-profit business, uh, sure. Love to Brew. Um, you know, how you came to this idea and how you implemented that business plan. Sure, so I mean, Love to Brew started, I had been uh, casually brewing beer as a hobby uh, before I, you know, I opened the business. Um, and I was working at the time, I was a VP of sales for like a tech company that mm. was selling kitchen hardware, like for computers. And um, it, it really was just observation. It was just pay attention. I've been a fan of, of business, the philosophy, theory, and study of business since uh, high school. Mm -hmm. Like I've, I've been reading business books since I was a freshman in college. Like I've just really always enjoyed it. Um, and I think it's my perspective, especially now more than ever at the pace things are moving, that observation and paying attention and looking for trends is really one of the key things to being an industry like you know disruptor or just you know, just opening a business for yourself. Yeah. Um, and I had noticed just the the trend of how popular homebrewing was going to become. Um, I also noticed that at the time when we opened, the websites were like five years old. Wow. So there wasn't really a good interactive web experience. Yeah. It wasn't like a web 2.0 experience, so to speak, at the time. And um, not only that, but the biggest competitors were based in California and Minnesota. So you had the West Coast, you had the Central, but you had no big player on the East Coast. Wow. So I said, okay, if we're going to do this, um, we can, you know, I think there's a huge opportunity to set up a, 
an internet scale company because most homebrew shops in the country are like mom and pop operations. Yeah. Um, and that's never what our intention was. And, and we were, you know, I think one thing that I'm very proud about the Love the Brew experience is I've always been very transparent about that. Like we love homebrewing and we love, you know, the community that we've built. I mean, Love the Brew has done tremendous things for the New Jersey homebrewing community. Um, and I'm really proud of that. You know, we're yeah. helping people do things that they really, they really care about. We're teaching them new skills and it's fun. It's cool. I mean, yep. I like beer. So My it's brother like, loves it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's fun to do. Um, but that's kind of how it started. It really was just there was an opportunity. And at the time of 26, my wife always like refers to it as you know, the return of Saturn, so to speak. But I think there's a, a time in, in most in many people's lives around their kind of mid-20s when they say, okay, like, what am I doing? Like, what, what is life? Am I going to just do this work for someone else kind of thing? Um, the sales job I happened to be at the time, I was also very frustrated with. Um, the year before, I'd broken like three of the company's records, wow. and um, the next year, they were just being really aggressive. Um, I remember that I had suggested to them, this is seven, eight, it's about seven years ago, um, I was telling them, because we were in the restaurant computer industry, that they must develop a tablet. Tablets were the new thing. Tablets were going to be. <laughs> And they just told me, like, they laughed in my face. Like, yeah. I was like, some 25-year-old kid who didn't know anything. That's so crazy. And fast forward, it's like, you have restaurants without people right now. You Everybody's know? using the tablet. Tablets. I yeah. mean, it's literally everyone's using it. And they had an opportunity back then to develop a more, like, everyone's using iPads. I was saying, like, develop a more robust tablet yep. for, like, actual restaurant mm -hmm. use. Um, and, and they didn't do it. They thought it was, you know, a silly idea. And, and so I felt really undervalued. Um, I'm the kind of person, and this is why I think I've always kind of struggled with jobs um, in retrospect, in, with jobs, yeah. just period. Like anything I had to work for someone else, I felt it was always very challenging, um, both because I like to work at like my own pace kind of thing. Um, I work approximately like 90 to 100 hours a week. That's pretty consistent, and it's not an exaggeration, mm -hmm. um, but I don't do it in the, like a 9 to 5. I'll get up at like 7.30, exactly. yeah. and I'll probably start working around like... You know, my morning routine is, is fairly, you know, it's discipline. It's all the same thing. It's like I run or I wrestle and I have two days off. I meditate. Um, I'll, you know, I'll walk the dog uh, and then I'll read, you know, for 30 to 40 minutes in the morning. Uh, and then I start working around like 8.39 and then I'll work till like 6 and then I'll walk the dog again. You know, get my wife from the train, pick up, you know, hang out with her for a little bit. Then at eight, I'll probably start again till like you know ten thirty eleven ish, you know, and I do that uh, five days a week, and then on Saturdays and Sundays I'll start at like ten and I'll go to like six, mm, okay. you know. So I I just kind of um, have a, a very consistent schedule. I'm like way off topic, aren't I? No, no, no. Uh, we're talking about so. So, oh, so I felt underappreciated, and I think that's one of the things I always struggle with within corporate companies is, like, you're, you're always, like, limited to the position that you're in, you know, and it's like, you you know, it doesn't matter if you do research, like, you're just going to kind of get, like, this pat on the back, and I just wanted to go. I just wanted to be, like, I wanted to have the reins free, so I was, like, itching for an opportunity to do something on my own, to not be, like, controlled. Mm -hmm. um, plus, you know, I, we had seen the recession at that time. I had seen, like, my mother lose her job after, like, 30 wow. years or 20 years, I think, so it was, like, you know, there's... Uh, the the idea of job security was laughable, yeah, uh, and I still think it's laughable today. Absolutely. You know, so mm -hmm. I think that it's something that I was like, you know what, I'm not I'm not going to be subject to someone else's whims. I'm going to do this. So, um, love to brew was just uh, you know it was the right place, right time. We got in. If you imagine a bell curve, we got at the knee of the curve, which is like the very beginning before it shoots up. So we rode that wave. 
Um, we grinded, you know, yeah. grinded. I know I mean, you guys seven did, days yeah. a week. Yep. I worked seven days a week for three or four years. Um, and for the first two, I didn't get paid a dollar. Like yeah. I just, so I worked for free for seven days a week, just living off my savings until I was like literally absolutely poor, like no money. <laughs> I, I moved with my mother. Like yeah. she was kind enough to support me. Uh, my parents were very supportive. I was very lucky. You know, yeah, not where yeah. I was at. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents have always been very supportive of everything I've done. Um, and, and that's one thing I'm very blessed with because, you know, I think that is a tremendous amount for your confidence and your ability Absolutely. to do things. Um, just having that. And so, although they didn't necessarily agree with it, once I made the decision, they were like, well, whatever, fine. You know, you can live with me. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. that's, and, and my dad would like help out and like fix stuff around the place. And, oh, wow. Um, so yeah, I mean, so we just grinded. Um, our, our, our philosophy was accelerate growth as quickly as possible. It was like, how quickly can we do a million dollars? That was the question. How quickly can we get to the million dollar threshold? Because once you get to a seven-figure annual recurring revenue, you've kind of you're kind of gonna you be able to ride the waves. You have a big enough customer base and a big enough diversity and yeah. supply. You know, so right now, Love the Brew is um, one of like the top ten homebrew shops in the country. There's about seven hundred and I think fifteen total. So we control a significant you know not a significant a, a larger part of the market share than the average, um, but we're certainly not the biggest. There's yeah. a, there's a mega company that owns mm-hmm. like fifteen percent of the market. Um, but we have a very strong niche. Uh, we have a lot of recurring business. Our service is like second to none. So that's what Love Through was. It was an opportunity, it was timing, and it was just making the leap. Just saying like, oh, really like Love Through was like, I decided I was gonna do it and seven months later we were open. Yeah. You know? So it was just like, we're gonna do it. Um, and I'm a big believer in that. You know, if we're talking business, and especially for-profit business, um, now so now in 2018 more than 2011, the pace of change is so rapid with yes. the exponential growth of technology and how that's affecting you know, just innovations that uh, you know, traditional business models and traditional business plans, they're not that relevant anymore. Mm-hmm. It's more about like if you want to do something, you do it and you go for it. It's the same thing we did with our society. Yeah. Our society is not a functioning product. It's a, it's a, we call it an MVP. It's a minimum viable product. It does exactly the basic things it needs to do. Um, just to get people like, hey, look, this exists, and like we're kind of testing yeah, this yeah, out, yeah. you know, and, and, yep. and building what we call a proof of concept to mm-hmm. say, look, we did this, we got a couple thousand people in New Jersey in these two county, these two districts, and you know the feedback was positive, yeah. and using that to generate the funding we need, you know, to, to really build a true national, you know, free and open campaign yeah. platform. Yeah, we'll definitely talk um, more about yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Good. Yeah. But that was basically love to brew. That's how we got into it. That's what we did. Um, constant learning, you know, constant working. Just, you know, but always thinking about how we can improve. Just being, you know, uh, anal about efficiencies. Just like, how can we make this better? And just is really doing it. Um, And a lot of failures. You know, a lot of of, uh, scary times. A lot of times we're like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to go bankrupt tomorrow. (laughs) A lot of times we're like, I don't know if I could pay checks. A lot of times where I'd have to like, you know, throw money back into the business. Yeah. Um, But around year six, it started to get good. And now in year seven, it's it's pretty great. Now wow. I work w- about five to ten hours a week maximum. Wow. I love to brew. Um, I'm the, I show up to the office like one day a week, just to you know, hang out with the guys and and, and do some work there. Um, but yeah, that really is it, it's it's funny. But if you do things, if you do the right things for six years, it's like all that cumulative growth. When it clicks, it's like oh wow, the machine is here, you know, and it gives you a lot of time to innovate, you. Know, and not be so grindy. And and most importantly, and I'll, I'll kind of summarize with this, I'm lucky that we have such a great team. Yeah. You know, that's, that, I couldn't do without the guys. We have guys who are, you know, 
who are serious about the business, they're vested in it, and we're vested in them. You know, I, th I think for the positions that our guys are in, they get paid well above market rate, but they deserve it. You yeah. know what I mean? Because I can, tr I trust them immensely, and I trust them to do the right thing. And uh, you know, just like any other partnership, sometimes you have to have tough conversations. Trust yeah. doesn't ne negate that, but um, you know, we, I've been very fortunate in, yeah, in that aspect. That's, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I think what's incredible is I got to see you from start to yeah. now, <laughs> and I mean, let me tell you, like. Guys, like Ron busted his butt. It was just incredible to see um, his dedication to his business. But actually, it's funny too because I, I think I well at that time I also started that little T-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> I bought company. some T-shirts. Yeah, 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 you bought some T. Yeah, that's that, I think that was like one of our first initial uh, interactions. That was like seven years ago. But um, yeah, that it was just incredible to, incredible to see how much you were expanding and yeah. you were doing in the in the rate you were doing it was is quite quick um you know you you kept implementing new plans implementing yeah, new yeah. plans and i was just like man this guy doesn't stop how you know how many people would have given up within that 6 years you know what i mean yeah. what it, you know like there there's something that differentiates you and person B who tried their business and failed, sure, you know, sure. um, you know, I, I think some people call it grit, you know, um, what would you say, I guess, was that fire? Do you think it all goes back to jujitsu and wrestling? Um, what made you keep fighting, like never giving up? Was it this dream that you just couldn't let go? That's a great question. I think it's a culmination of a lot of different lessons and learned, right? So you talk mm -hmm. about jiu-jitsu and wrestling. Jiu-jitsu and wrestling, wrestling was, you know, that you're going to stick with it. You're just going to do it. This is going to suck and you're going to do it. Again, I was bad at wrestling. Yeah. And I didn't know how to control my weight. So wrestling <laughs> was a pretty miserable experience for me. Uh -huh. Like, it wasn't fun. Um, jiu-jitsu was fun. Jiu-jitsu taught me mastery. Like, you can do this and you can enjoy it. Um, but I think what, you know... Speaking from the position at this moment, I think what I I think have a better understanding than than a lot of people I meet is is the value of time and, and the concept of yeah. time. Time is, you know, we think of like past, present, and future, but that that's a that's a narrative we feed ourselves to kind of measure things. Mm -hmm. Time is now, period. Yeah. It only exists now, and in every moment is a now, and there's nothing else but now. So the question wow. you have to ask yourself is. Am I doing, in this very moment, am I doing something to move me closer to my vision? Am I doing something to move me closer to the desires and the things I want and need? And I think that's like, you know, that's how, you know, like how I work from home and how do I manage 10 hours a day at home is because when I want to screw around, when I want to go on Reddit, when I want to like play a video game, <laughs> I'm just like, all right, well, why don't you look at your list first? Because there's 20 things on your list yeah. that need to be chopped off. Yep. And then I'm a big planner. Like, that's, a, that's I think, is a key to success. Um, and I could, you know, talk in a lot of detail about how I structure my days. But I think that's the one thing that I, I really, you know, I just try to be as present as possible because that is the reality we exist and Everything else is false. Like, yeah. you, there's no, you know, your past and future, your past is a, a memory, is a, you know, um, and, and your future is, is a, a variable. Um, but, I, you know, it's kind of like, you know, one thing I've always found fascinating is uh, I'm a really big reader, right? I love, like, neuroscience. I love technology. Um, I love social sciences and politics. But neuro...
One of the things, you know, in relation to time and just being present is, is quantum physics has the dual slit experiment. And essentially what the dual slit experiment says is that um, if you measure, the results vary. So like they shoot photons for these dual slits and the photons, if they're not measured, they come out as a wave. Mm -hmm. So it changes its state of matter. This is a natural phenomenon. Quantum physics is, has like, I think it's a, a nine, it's a 0.99 to the 20th degree like accuracy. So it's just wow. as accurate as like actual physics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it clearly shows that if we don't measure it, the, the matter changes form. Mm. And when we measure it, it goes back to the, what we expected to do. Wow. So what I've taken from that from a philosophical perspective is that the observe, it's a natural law to some extent that the observer dictates the experiment. Mm -hmm. So if you're present and you're conscious in your action, you can bend the universe to your will to some extent. Um, and that's how I kind of you know, approach life, business, Absolutely. and relationships. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I, I think I took that from... Uh, we've had conversations like this before. You know, um, certain things are inevitable, inevitable right? Yeah, like yeah. You can't control um, the weather. You can't control, Correct. Yeah. you know, traffic. Yeah. <laughs> certain things you can't control, right? But there's certain things that you can control, which is yourself, right? Yeah. And what you're capable of and, and how far you're willing to go, right? And I think, you know, a lot of people in your shoes that were at that six-year you know, prior to that, would have eventually pressed the stop button, right? They would have been like, this is not going anywhere. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I need to stop. But you kept going, um, you know, and, and it's it's just interesting just to think how you're, you know, about how your mind works and what was the reason why you kept going versus, you know, somebody else who doesn't. I think one of the things I, I hope to achieve in this podcast is that all the people that I do interview, um, they're all pretty successful people mm -hmm. and they're, right um and have faced you know places in their life where they could have just stopped and yeah. given up but they kept going and now they're at their position that they're in now you know so i think as i'm chipping away this is what I, that one detail i'm trying to figure out you know and hopefully um encourage you know the people that watch this show um and help their lives you yeah. know that they don't give up um you mentioned you know you read a lot yeah and you know, you recommended three books to me, which I thought were fantastic. My favorite one uh, being From Good to Great, which they're all yeah. <laughs> bookshelf right there. Um, so they were Scaling Up, yeah. From Good to Great, and then uh, Zero to One, yeah. Um, which I'll be posting uh, under the description. I'll, I'll put a tag uh, for you guys that are interested. Uh, whenever I bring up a any type of thing that uh, helped me in my life, I will link it uh, in my description. You guys can check it out, uh, buy it through that link so I can get paid a little bit because I'm go. doing this for free. <laughs> so yeah, if I can make a little bit of money out of this, then that would help me a lot. Um, I, you know, send your Bitcoins and your Litecoin to me as well <laughs> if you are so willing to donate. But um, yeah, you mentioned scaling up, um, which, for me, uh, that was the most practical book. Yeah. It was like a workbook. Yes. You know, it was like pretty much, this is how you do it. Yes. <laughs> right? Um, for me, like, I've always struggled with those type of books because I, I really, I'm like, I don't like to fall. I, I just don't like I to understand. be told what to do. Yeah. You know, I don't know what it is. Uh, that's what it, with everything in life. Um, the, the other one was from zero to one, which I really thought was interesting because it was very conceptual. Yeah. It was a very conceptual book about... Um, 
you know, book, I mean, uh, uh, businesses that start from nothing and it will be the first business of its kind, yes. pretty much. That, that's the whole idea. Like Uber, there has never been an Uber in the past and Uber, you know, started. Um, that would be an idea of a zero to one. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'll ever come up with an idea for a zero to one. Um, we see these so few and far between in our lives, um, especially now that, you know, technology is growing so quickly and Silicon Valley is constantly pushing and pushing and pushing new ideas out. It's, it's, and then, you know, whatever new deal comes out, like it can be bought quickly by these major gigantic companies, you know? So this, this whole theory of zero to one, um, for me as a, as a person, I'm like, man, that, that's a hard thing to achieve. Um, not to say that it's impossible for, for, you know, anybody, but that, you know, when you do achieve something like that, you have to really understand that you're in that like 1% of the, you know, 1%, like this is not something that happens every single day. Um, you know, so that was a great book. Um, it was more of an inspirational, yeah. you know, thing. But then from good to great was my favorite. That right. was, uh, I, I highly recommend that book. That was my favorite out of the three. Um, I think what it touched on that, that hit me the most was the idea of a level five leader, which is, you know, I mean, I consider you, you know, a level five leader. Um, a lot of the I guys. I don't, know, <laughs> I don't know if everyone else does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ask your employees. He's like, eh, maybe level two. Yeah, yeah. maybe. But um, no, the level five leader is the, the highest type of leader. It's basically the leader that leads by example and, and you know, brings his troops up, right, yeah. um, to get them to a higher level. It's, it's not somebody that just, this is what you're doing, that's it, right? Yeah. And, and I don't care. And you know, yelling, 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 but a level five, you know, there's so few people where I've come across where I'm like, I, you know, after reading that book, I'm like, wow, he's a level five leader. Like he really leads by example and he really brings people up, you know? Um, I never had that concept until, you know, reading it in the yeah. book. And then, you know, you start noticing traits about, you know, people, my, my boss, I consider her a level five leader. She's one of the most amazing people I've ever met. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and the way she leads is not like, you know, other people. It's yeah. it's very different. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know if you have any other recommendations. I got a ton of books, um, man. Oh, you we, do? We can make these about uh, books. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You know, uh, Jim Collins is good to great. I mean, I, I really liked um, the level five leader thing is, I think, really critical. Right? I think that's a really good point to touch on. Because if you're ever going to lead people, you know, it's so easy to, to forget that you're dealing with people. Mm -hmm. Right? People who have the same concerns the same fears the same hopes that you do and you know we put this like artificial barrier through these roles but the work doesn't have to be like that like that traditional you know it, it stemmed really from like you the war economy and you know these the industrial revolution of just you had a highly uh, you had a high demand with an extremely lowly educated workforce so the idea was like all right Make them smart enough to, to pull the lever and just treat them like animals because you got to keep them in line kind of thing. Um, and, and not everyone has kind of moved past that to some yeah. extent, you know, which is it's it doesn't it doesn't translate to 2018. Uh, well, my favorite part from the Jim Collins book was actually um, getting the right people on the bus. Like just yes. how that is the critical. Yes. Like if you don't have yes. the right, that's the first thing you must do. And if you don't have that, nothing else matters. That's true. Um, yeah. Peter Thiel's book. Uh, Peter Thiel's an interesting character. You know, I, I think... Um, he and I differ greatly on our views of society in the future. Peter is, uh, you know, he's a very much um, 
I don't know what the official label for it is, but essentially he believes in the fact that it's like survival of the fittest to the core. Like if you're poor, yes. tough yeah. You know, yeah. like I'm rich because I deserve to be here and I'm going to go move to New Zealand when climate change happens and you're all going to starve to death. And, yeah. and that's kind of like his vibe and I don't really you know, appreciate that, but he is a genius. Mm -hmm. And um, his vision is zero one. I think it's, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mystify it. You talked about earlier how you think like, oh, you know, to, to do something like that is, is you know, oh, wow. It's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not as hard as you think oh, if yeah. you're, mm -hmm. you're paying attention. But then, the, then, you know, the flip side is it also depends how you measure success. Yeah. Is success being a billionaire? Because then, yes, statistically, your likelihood of doing yeah. that is, is minimal, mm -hmm. right? Um, but is is if your you know if your vision is to create change, mm. well that can be measured in a lot of different ways, yeah. right? That's so very interesting. Yeah. You, that's another part of running a business is like how do you define? Like, so love to brew the vision was like let's build something that I can like live off of and mm. not have to work that much, yeah, right? Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. like my vision. Like let's yeah. build a machine that I can own that is you know functioning, that is something I enjoy, that has a good team. But I don't want to work at six days. Like I never, my intention was never to run a homebrew shop for the rest yeah. of my life, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that to me, love was a success. It's not a. It's definitely not a zero to one because we weren't an innovator. But I think in any, any you know, when you talk about those kind of ideas, it's just like any time you find yourself being frustrated, it should be like, okay, what would it take to fix this? Does mm -hmm. it exist? Oh, it doesn't exist. Oh wow, <laughs> I have a zero to one idea, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, but then you know, I I I firmly believe this. A lot of success in business is timing. Yeah. And sometimes you're just true. not on the right timing. Mm -hmm. um, I can give an example. I don't want to jump too head ahead, but there's um, last night I had an interview with an accelerator for our society. Accelerators, are, you know, they invest in you. Like this one, this specific one would be for 25000 And then you fly to California and you like train with these people. Yeah. And they're specifically folks on civic tech. So it'd be a tremendous opportunity. We made it past the first round of the screening. We got invited to like a phone interview, um, you know. I'm always super self-conscious about these things because, like, I can't help just be me, you know. I'm like, of course. I'm just like, oh, let's like think out loud. Like, <laughs> I'm supposed to be an interview, and I'm like, no, yeah, wait yeah, a minute. Yeah, like, yeah. And so I don't know how they're gonna feel about me. So we'll see. Yeah. But um, you know, they had another civic tech nonprofit, similar to our society. But he was trying to do direct democracy, decentralized via like a, a blockchain. Oh wow. So. You know, I'm not convinced that blockchain has any um, has a, has going to be proven to be practical in that sense, aside from like a commodity sense. Mm -hmm. um, I also don't know enough about it, but I think the problem with that idea is that I think it's a brilliant idea. Um, and essentially, it was like direct democracy, so everyone votes on everything, and if you don't want to vote, you can assign your vote to someone else. Mm -hmm. Like I could give you my vote yeah. if um, if we were going to vote on like I don't, you know whatever something that you were familiar with and I wasn't. I could be like, oh Simon, you can vote for me on this. Mm. But I think the time is not right for that. Yes. Because, yeah. you know, for example, in New Jersey, we had 32% of the people vote in our last election for wow. the governor. So only so 60, 68 you know, abstained. So I don't think you're going to make this the leap from 68% of the people not even bothering to vote to, to caring enough to like vote to on vote, issues yeah. directly, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know that that's the big, the big gap. Love the Bruce timing was we were on the beginning of a bell curve. I saw that happening and we jumped in, right? Yeah. So I, I think there's a lot there's a lot of luck involved. Like no matter what yeah. anyone says, like mm -hmm. I don't credit my success to like mastery of like being a great businessman. <laughs> I don't I don't believe that for a second. I think, you know, good timing and hard work and just yeah. um, to your point when you talk about throwing in the towel, you know, I I just never consider failure an option. Like it's just not an option. Like cuz there's no way I can fail because 
um, you know, like even if the project fails, you've learned so much. So the worst case yeah. scenario, you're a better person. Exactly. You've expanded your sphere of both influence mm -hmm. and knowledge. You know, so how you measure success, I think, is going to be correlated to how you feel about yourself and life and those kind of things. Yeah. So the advice would be um, failure not being an option. <laughs> yeah. um, and you, you mentioned a lot about pre-planning, yeah. right? Making sure you're educated in the field and um, being able to see these trends and things like that. Yeah. Um, so there, you know, there is some uh, work, knowledge well, involved. Work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> involved. Um, you know, so uh, you know, to say it's just all luck, or, or not. You know, some people would say, you know, oh, I was just super lucky. You know, um, I think you know, there's a level of humbleness <laughs> in that, but at the same time, it's like, no, Ron, you did a well, I you mean, know, I, quite I, an incredible thing. I appreciate you know? that. So, but, you know, a lot of luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so, you know, for the listeners listening in, um, there's a lot to get out of that, you know, and I think you could even dive deeper, um, you know, and depending on the, the, I guess, the feedback I get, you know, yeah. if, if you ever want to do this again. Yeah, people want to hang, you know, get, people you know, want to listen to me. I love talking, so <laughs> yeah. that's not a... And deep dive into yeah. the whole CEO uh, type of lifestyle or, and, you know, and the the path to getting there. But um, yeah, I want to get into your nonprofit now, sure. uh, Our Society. Um, this is, you, when you pitched the idea to me, um, I was blown away by it because th that is the future, you know, th the, the way you thought we're thinking about it. Um, I hate, I've hated politics since I was a kid. Just seeing uh, the tribalism, yeah, you yeah. know, um, the, you know, you have your one side and your other side, and it's a constant battle. Yeah. And there's, you know, and the way they battle is not very, <laughs> um, you know, helpful. It doesn't help society. Yeah. The way that the the battle goes is usually, I mean, a lot of what you see in social media is childish, right? And you have grown grown folks, you know, saying some ridiculous type of things, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and and usually the people that are getting things done that are done are the ones with the deepest pockets. Right? Sure. Um, so a lot of stuff is happening in the background that we don't have access to because we're you and me are just you know we don't belong we're, we're not in that one percent of the one percent right. Yeah. So the proletariat. Yeah. Okay. So that there's a word for that. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an engineer, not a English major. So, um, so yeah. So you know, for me. Um, politics was always like something I I just couldn't stand people telling me this is what you need to vote for and and you know when you ask why it's usually backed with an emotional uh, reasoning yeah. that never really with you know um, yeah just you know most of it I, I, from what I've seen has been very emotional yeah. um, and what you pitched to me was the first time where I looked at it as a technology yeah where I was like wow something like this would help our society right yeah. um and yeah i mean it was i mean yeah talk about our society what what is it sure um so i'll know, promote I'll, it i'll preface our society before we talk about like what is it because you and i have obviously talked a lot about it but i think one of the important fundamentals for anyone listening to understand about like what we're doing is the view of all of our social systems any system we have whether that's the current capitalist market economy whether that's our relationship between property and contract, whether that's our elections, whether that's our you know, democratic republic, 
These are all technologies. They're no different than your cell phone. They've been invented by people to serve a purpose. The challenge is right now is we're, why are we having such like tumultuous times? Why do we keep having consistent recessions? Which by the way, another recession's on the way. Solar's already surpassed coal. Once it surpasses oil and it gets even cheaper, you're gonna have over a trillion dollars worth of assets that are gonna be just bailed upon. So you're gonna have another major recession. Um, you know, why do we have that? Why do we have such divisive politics? We know that that's you know, because there's big money donors in there and there's a lot of corruptness. And thank God we live in an area, you know, we live at a time of mass communication and information where we know about this because this stuff isn't new, right? This has gone on for centuries, but now we know about it, right? Yeah. Um, so, so when our society came about because you know, with Love to Brew being where it is and giving me the freedom I have, I wanted to do a, a social good project. And I had been into political philosophy for the last couple of years. Um, Roberto Unger is like my biggest influence. All his lectures are online. Uh, where um, was he professor from? Harvard. Harvard. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Cornell West. Cornell West bounces around. Uh, I really like his stuff. Um, and then you know, Ray Kurzweil. He's not in politics, but he's tech. Uh, Jeremy Rifkin. These are all like influences who are kind of you know, bringing this package together. Um, but again, being observant, right? With the election of Trump, the temperature of politics just has gone to a new level. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but it's gone to a level and it's been an awakening for a lot of us that, you know, if we just kind of sit back and allow, you know, if we just you know, turn a blind eye, which, by the way, is part of a systemic design, right? If you're too concerned about like feeding your family, well, the wealthy get to have their playground politics and you're going to keep your, you know, you're not yeah. going to care mm -hmm. until it's too late, so to speak. Um, the division you mentioned is manufactured division, right? Yes. It divides the population. Yep. So initially it came, you know, I was initially thinking of running for office. That's initially what happened. But um, as you and I have discussed at some length, you know, I, I'm a progressive. And I don't, when I, you know, when I say progressive, for those of you guys listening at home, I don't mean liberal, I don't mean left, I mean a true progressive. I believe in institutional reformation. I don't believe that society is equipped through our government and current institutions to handle the rapid accelerating growth of technology and the interconnectivity and shrinking of the world. Mm. And I think this is the major cause of a lot of our problems. Um, and I think that this is something that, you know, our society was a way to kind of bridge this gap. So you, know, our society is essentially a, a free and open election campaign platform that serves two purposes as a product. A, it removes the financial barriers of entry to running for your know, office. So at the congressional level, um, you know, we're using, we have congressional candidates now on the platform. We launched, you know, a week and a half ago. Um, it's, it is a tremendous tool. But congressional elections still have a ton of money involved. But let's talk about like local elections, like running for town council. Um, I've done a tremendous amount of community outreach over the last year, and you know I've, I've had countless stories where, you know, I wanted to run for town council, but the Democratic machine or the Republican machine told me I needed forty grand. Seventy-five, mm. seventy-five grand was the most I heard to run for town council. Wow, that's like sitting, you know, that's a volunteer position. And so most people don't have access to it. So what do they have to do? They have to fundraise, right? So that means they have to take donations from for-profit interests or special interest groups, which we all know leaves you beholden. You know, no matter what the politicians say, no matter what they do, there are some great politicians I really like today from the state of New Jersey who are absolutely in the pockets of major conglomerates. Mm -hmm. And you can see it in their voting records. Yeah. And you, for me, it's like you, we don't have, here in the U.S., 
we do not have the legislative, uh, or I should say, we don't have the political willpower to change it. In other countries, in Europe, Australia, there are tons of you know, liberal democracies that have campaign finance limits, that have term limits, and they're, you know, and they're what would be the equivalent of their Congress, um, that have you know, voting, you know, mandatory voting. They have so many things that increase the temperature of democracy. Um, here in the U.S., we don't, by intention. So my vision is that if we're going to, you know, every year, every election, you always hear, it's, why don't the young people vote? Right? That's the mm -hmm. big question you yeah. get a lot. And they always say, oh, it's apathy. Or they don't care. Um, I argue that that's completely false. It's not apathy. It's agency. Agency is a sense of control. So when you deny young people information, when you deny them, you know, easy to access information in a, in a single place, in a format that they are used to, that is the mm -hmm. critical thing, right? You're... You're trying to get them to go vote and try to teach them in ways that we've been doing for 100 years. But the generation who's 18 now has grown up with high-speed internet in their pocket since yeah. they were five. You know, yeah. like they've had access to all the world's information for their entire existence. And that's why our generation as millennials, I think, I think the Gen Zs are going to be the catalyst generation. But it's up to our generation to, do, to lay the groundwork mm. for them because we... You know, we had 11 years. I had the internet. I think dial-up internet came around when I was like 10. Yeah. Right? That's what I had. Mm -hmm. My parents were early adopters. Um, and really, it didn't really become super useful until like college. You know? Yes. Like that's when it was like high-speed internet yeah. um, came about. And like yeah. you could really communicate instantly mm -hmm. and often. Um, when did Facebook come out? Uh, Facebook was in my college. I was a sophomore or junior. Yeah. I think I was a sophomore. So that would have been 2000. Okay. 2000 or 2001 it came out. I don't know which one. Um, but around there, it came out, yeah. and um, and it was obviously totally different than it was now. It was essentially like a you know, way to check out yeah. what the girls down the hall were doing, <laughs> you know. And um, so, so what our society does is, aside from moving money, the money aspect, and empowering more people to run, um, because that is critical, right? If we're going to change democracy, we're going to change society, we need to get rid of the old white male political class. Like, we need more diversity, and we need more empowerment for these people, yeah. and a way for people who are involved in their communities to take that next step and have a high amount of access to the community without having to pay, you know, or accept yeah. donations. Because mm -hmm. 50% of a candidate's time is spent fundraising. That's a, a statistical fact. 93% of the time, the candidates in, in elections, the candidate who wins... 93% uh, of the time has the most money. Yeah, so you can it, see this information. Every, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's all, you know, this is all like common, Not it's, it's available knowledge. Yeah. So when we talked about designing our society and, and participating in the youth, we said, how can we make this process as easy and convenient yeah. as possible? And that's the big our society value add. There's plenty of great tools out there that give you a ton of political information. But that only helps the engaged. Um, that is a small pie. That's a red ocean. Yes. We're going after the blue ocean, the yes. unengaged. And the objective is, how can I just make it you know, easy? So what we've done is make it uniform. You can find about all your candidates in one spot. You don't have to go to 10 different websites, by the way, which all have you know, crazy varying information. Yeah. Like there's no consistency. Um, B, if you hate politics, you can use our social value match algorithm. It's like yep. a dating website. You, mm -hmm. you answer questions, the politicians answer questions, we match over 27 different categories. I used it actually. I, I set up a profile. Um, it's a, it's at OurSociety.org. Correct. Yeah. 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 I set up a profile and I answered all the questions. Yeah. It was actually pretty simple to do. Um, yeah. I thought it was awesome. I, I, I was kind of like, man, I can't wait to see where, you know, when it when it starts to actually yeah. launch. Yeah. Go past our, our yeah. MVP. I, I, I agree. It's very exciting. Yeah. And um, for me personally, it's, it's something that's like, you know, one thing for the fellow millennial entrepreneurs out there, it's like... 
consider what you want to do with your life because I'll tell you, the for-profit industry, you know, it, it's not as motivating as you'd imagine it to be. Like mm -hmm. money only goes so far. And let me be clear. I'm not wealthy. Like this, Love to Brew has not made me a millionaire. You know, it's allowed me a lot of freedom. Yes, That's what it's allowed exactly. me. I want to be yeah. clear. Uh, and I always say that. It's not a ton of wealth, a lot of freedom, because my time is the most valuable thing. Yes. Um, yeah. But, you know, consider using your skills for social good. I, I think that's like really what we should be doing. I think this kind of, this th we're in like this late stage capitalism that's just fueling pollution. It's just fueling, you know, poverty. It's just fueling inequity. You know, it's fu fueling like, um, it's an exclusive system. Yes. And it's like, going back to you know, my, my original statement, when I wanted to run for office, I knew my vision was too, too would not be really it was too early to be realized and, and too early to be voted so i'm trying to create institutional reformation through technology yes so changing our elections through a product rather than a political campaign mm -hmm. if that makes sense um because you know it is i get up every day excited man it's like we're doing something real something yeah. tangible and something that's like you know we're getting a lot of positive you know um affirmation about what we're doing and it, it is exciting and, and we allow them to match and, and that's kind of our MVP and, and we have a whole product roadmap which is available online like we yeah. show people what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, we're just trying to get as many perspectives as possible. If you're listening to this and um, you should join the platform because even if you don't want to use it, the more accounts I have on, the better it looks when I go to get grants, yeah. right? Like, you know? So yeah, I'll link, I'll post the link uh, in the description. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So I mean that, that in a nutshell is the Our Society experiment and we do a lot of like social outreach, we do a lot of YouTube videos which no one watches, but it's still cool. I mean, hopefully someone, you know, when we get to a point where people will watch them, um, we have a lot of content because yeah. we go out, we do a lot of grassroots efforts yeah. and just say, look, like we're doing this. We're a group of volunteers. No one is getting paid. I bankrolled the whole thing. Um, and uh, we're at, you know, we're pretty much out of money at this point. And we have a, a everyone who's working is, is a volunteer and we're just lucky. You know, we, we know we're onto something good. Yeah. It's just like, how do we get it there? You know, that's the key. That's mm -hmm. the fun part I like. But it's like, how do we get it there? How do we maneuver to be there? And, you know, our site could totally fail, by the way. It could not be the platform. But if nothing else, I built a nice network. I've learned a tremendous amount about the process. Absolutely. And we've opened a lot of people's eyes about, like, what technology can do when it's put for, like, a social good. You know, and, and we are a nonpartisan nonprofit, you know, so we have a path to revenue. But it's not about exiting. It's not about selling. We don't sell any of the data. That's key, right? Like, mm -hmm. we give away so much of our data for everything we do without a second thought. Why don't we use it for our own public good? Because the big picture is we can use that data to identify collaborative trends. Yes. Right? Like, you live in Jersey. We have a million people on the platform. Okay, wow, well, 93% of you agree on X, mm -hmm. right? And make that data public. So that way, any candidate running must run on that, right? They must include that platform. Um, and they can't just push it under the rug. We want to hold politicians accountable through data. Yes. Right? A data-driven yeah. democracy, not just this rhetoric BS that we're used to. The truth. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> and that's, um, that's what we have to fight for. Because there's, there's a whole generation of people who who don't want to let go of that. Right? It's Frederick Douglass. Yeah. Power you know, concedes nothing. Mm -hmm. um, we must take it. And, it, and it's, it's got to be taken through tech. Because that's our biggest advantage. Yeah, and that's the whole direction. Everything we're all going to this new um, wave where you know everything's turning into an app. Yeah, you know where um, I think the original idea you had was this was a date. It was almost like a dating app. Yeah, you, know, yeah, you yeah. select uh, the 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 algorithm uh, basically pulls all the information of what you align with, and then it matches you to the candidate that yeah. 
you know, connects with what you believe in. Um, I, I mean, to me, I'm like, that's, that's kind of like a zero to one right yeah. there. Well, right? You we'll know? see. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, for me, it's ingenious because that would be the way that I would want to, you know, get into politics. Um, for me, it's always been about the truth. And whenever I would dive into these political, you know, conversations or whatever, um, again, a lot of it is emotionally driven. There's not much, you know, if they're throwing facts, it's usually to, to put somebody else down, yeah. right? And it's not really like, hey, let's look at this objectively, right? Um, so having something like this where the truth, it, only the only available um, information available is the truth and what these uh, candidates vote for versus what they say, you know, things like that. I believe this is what... The, our generation wants yeah. you know it's we have access to everything online now you know we can find out if somebody lied in an instant yeah. you know so why why um why even bother lying you know let's just get all the information out there on a piece of paper or the you know an app and you know make it streamlined you well know? you know i think there we can kind of go a little off track but i think that that question why bother lying i think it's an important question to kind of discuss when you you reflect on like society as a whole you know the trump phenomenon and and not to make this pull i'm not saying one thing or another but if you if you consider his core base right that 30 percent that has not fluctuated mm -hmm. like it has never fluctuated they are statistically the least educated and the most impoverished overall so why lie it's because they have a constant stream of information that is false so mm. look at the end of the day all humans follow the same rule we're all the sum of our experiences, right? That's what makes us who we are to some extent. There's the nature versus nurture, but the idea is that, you know, to a lot of extent, it is nurture. It is what you experience is how you experience the world. And, and you know, it's like this, you, it just, it layers and layers and layers. So when you're from a very rural area and you have one news source and your local media is owned by Sinclair, which is like a hyper right wing. So not only is your Fox News right wing, but now your local township mm -hmm. media is super right wing. So if you're only receiving one information source that is not only feeding you false information, but also feeding you information about how, you know, negative information about the, the quote-unquote others, right? Yeah. You make the subject an object. It's like War 101. You dehumanize the opponent. You, you have a, a really challenging task ahead of you. So why they lie, it's because it works. It divides the population. But you know, when you talk about how do we solve this problem, because this is the big thing, like, well, what do we do? You know, this is a part of our country now, and it's an ugly part, but it's here. You know, the answer is systemic reformation. You decouple education from municipalities. All education right now in the U.S. is through local municipalities. So that's yeah. how you fund the schools, mm -hmm. right? So um, it makes sense that New Jersey has some of the best schools in the country, if not the world, compared to Kentucky. Yeah. Right. We have eight million people in this. You know, how big is our state? It's like a three-hour drive from top to bottom. Yeah. Right. Um, so you you decouple education. You make it a federal program, mandated, federally funded, um, and then you you the state and federal government cooperate with the communities, and and they have this mandated program. But like the idea that um, and you no offense to anyone who is religious, but I don't believe that creationism should be taught in public schools. Mm -hmm. Like. The Constitution clearly talks about the separation, separation of church, church and state, state. Yeah. right? Yeah. It's like your beliefs, you're more than welcome to believe them, and I'm not going to criticize you, I'm not going to judge you, I think that's great. But public school should not be a place for any sort of religious education. That is a belief not founded in science and data, it's in faith and spirituality, which yeah. is a huge part of the human existence. Mm -hmm. But that's not what school's for. 
that's religious school, sure, right? If you want to do that. But the fact that we have public schools that are you know, teaching creationism and evolution side by side, that's just not factually accurate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not, and that doesn't help us. And that's because we allow municipalities to control education. So we are, we are, not only do we have this problem, but the problem is being multiplied generation by generation and it compounds, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't, I, I deeply, deeply sympathize and empathize with that section of our population. Because I'm gonna be candid, I, I, I get nasty with other progressives and other you know, liberal thinkers is that y- we should not demonize these people. These people did what they thought was in their best interest. That's exactly what they should have done. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's our collective fault that we've allowed them to have the bubble of you know, thought that they've been given through you know, for-profit interests controlling their information. Yeah. Um, so that's how, you know, it's just, you know, off topic. But this is what I'm talking about. Like, we need institutional reformation. Like, we need to change the entire paradigm of how we do things. Mm. Um, you know, which is a big criticism I have of the modern progressive movement. But that's, you know, for another yeah. conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully our society is a step towards that direction. Right? Yeah. Changing um, our current platform. Um, I'm all for it. I, I love the idea. Um, you know, my, they say you vote with your feet and your money, right? And, um, yeah, it's something that I've supported and, um, hope to continue to support, you know, over, you know, hopefully I, we can look back at this, uh, episode and be like, man, you know, remember when, yeah, yeah, you you know, Ron made it. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, I'm all, I'm all supportive, man. I I think your idea is amazing. I think, uh, if anybody to that should be doing, it should be you, you know, the, the way you present the information and, have such a deep understanding of it but at the same time you look at it in all perspectives you know you're, you don't come out of it as an emotional um response it's, it's very factual every time you know we've had conversations in the gym yeah, yeah. or whatever it's like po- politics time you know yeah. it's like it's like you know you have your um your lefts and your rights and we're all just talking but we're actually having a conversation yeah right it's there's never been a time where at the at the gym where you know it gets crazy and everybody's like shut up you're wrong no totally you know yeah. which is which is what I don't experience and um and when I am you know around people that are talking about politics is usually a lot of tension and heat yeah you know so I appreciate that about our gym it's it's very um, and you know you're always the one that's leading the conversation so it's just like this you know if anybody to do it it's Ron man so. <laughs> All the best of luck uh, to to you and our our society. Um, you know, hopefully we can do another episode, you know, yeah. in the future and um, follow up, you know, um, with that, you know, platform and see where it goes. Um, or maybe you'll be our next uh, New Jersey mayor. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, that's right. <laughs> Governor Governor Ron Rivers. Um, but um, yeah, so you know. I think uh, we're getting close to the end. Um, I, you know, I just wanted to close out with some interesting thoughts and things like that. Um, first is you, to me, are an extraordinary human being, right? You uh, founded and and, re- and and are the CEO of Love to Brew, founded and, um, and CEO of Our Society. And then you've done, you know, competed, trained BJJ with some of the top guys in the world. Uh, I, I believe you told me you were Matt uh, Sarah's training partner for some of his fights. Uh, One of them. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. okay. Um, yeah, you helped me with my cage work, you know, yeah. which I did pretty good in my fight <laughs> defending on the cage. Um, 
yeah, you you know you coached me, um, and and you you know out of all these things, you also married, you know, so yeah. you're you're juggling a lot of, you know, um, responsibilities, you know, and I think something that I also want to get into my pod or the, you know the show this podcast um, is performance at the highest level. How do you do it? How do you juggle all these responsibilities? Like, is there something that gives you this edge? Some people rely on the coffee. You mentioned meditation. Um, I take sometimes I take nootropics, vitamins. What's yeah. nootropic? Nootropic is a is a vitamin for your brain. It helps you kind of like it's like it's so like, like over the counter. No, 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 no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, that would be like the hardcore nootropics, neutrop- okay. <laughs> right? Um, I've never delved into that, but it's the over the counter type of stuff, you know, like a. Um, uh, let's just say like uh, Huberzine A, which is uh, known like they've done a test in China where they had two classrooms. One classroom took Huberzine A and classroom B did not. Classroom A scored um, roughly 30% higher than classroom B. Wow. Um, I never heard of this. It helps you with your memory. Um, I think it also helps with um, I might be wrong here, but I think it helps with the, uh, Alzheimer's. I think Alzheimer's patients take it. Um, have you noticed? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Really? When, if On a rough day where I know I have a ton of work, I'll take one or two. Um, Joe Rogan sells stuff uh, from Onnit um, called Afrobrain. That's a pretty well-known mm-hmm. uh, one. But um, I'll t- I mean, some of that stuff gets you, gives you some crazy dreams. But like um, when I have a really rough day where I know I have to produce a lot of energy in my brain, I'll take like a Huberzine A or something like that. And um, for the most part, it helps me concentrate. Is it cumulative? Like, do you feel like after the fact or is it just like a temporary stimulant? It's, I would say it's temporary. Yeah, it's like, it's like a, like a taking like an ibuprofen type Does of Does it have any negative side effects? That's the one thing. There's not enough... Uh, long-term research so I only take it when, when needed I need, yeah, yeah, I understand. yeah okay so I mean some people do um, they'll find out whether they have brain yeah. cancer or not <laughs> in the next 30 years <laughs> for me um, I don't want to take that risk so you know coffee does a trick for me you know yeah. from time to time but for you um, you know I mean there's there's people that do biohacking you know they use stimulants they do all these type of crazy things um, what are some of the things that you would say gives you an edge uh, when it comes to performing? Well, I would certainly recommend meditation to everyone I meet. Uh, meditation is uh, really just the art of being present, of, of just, I do it in the morning. So I like that because it's like I've just done exercise. It's always after either training or okay. running. Um, and it's just like, okay, I've had my workout, so it's done. Um, you know, and then meditation is just a really nice 20 minutes just to like really just be present and not be thinking. And of course you're thinking, but it's it's really good. But to answer your question, I think it's just discipline. I think, you know, it's a big thing that people, I think I see a lot, especially with younger people, is like, you know, they want motivation. I think motivation is a trap. Motivation yeah. is fleeting. Agreed. It's just routine. You know, I just have, a, a, I mean, my days are routine from 6.30 a.m. Yep. to 11.30 p.m. It's all this. It's never yep. the same, but the structure is the, the same, same every Absolutely. day. Yep. You know, and it takes the thought out of it. And I think mm-hmm. that's so key is like, it's so, I mean, maybe not for everyone, but for me, I have a very challenging time getting things done if yeah. I'm not just like able to, um, it's why I spend so much time planning. Usually like Sundays or Monday morning, Sundays, Sunday, 
I plan my week agenda. Wow, we're very similar. Yeah, and it's just like that way, it's like when something is done, I just look at the next thing to do. And I like, I rank them by priority. And yep, I do I, the same yeah, exact thing. Yep. So it, it's, and that takes a lot of thought out of me because I find I'm very, I have a very intense focus. I can, I can sit and do something um, when I know what that thing needs is. Mm -hmm. I struggle with like, if I have nothing to do, it's almost like, or if I, not that I have nothing to do, but if I don't have it like structured well, I find myself flustered and, and getting yeah. frustrated. And um, even, you know, of course, even with, you know, a disciplined schedule, which I think is, is really key, um, you have bad days, right? Yeah, and, and that's what I like the discipline about is that you kind of just work through it. It's just like, I just got to do this anyway, you yeah. know? <laughs> um, and, and then also, you know, um, but it's important you mentioned I'm married. Like that was, you know, of everything I've done, that's the best decision I've made. And that, you know, scheduling time and, and the, you know, relationships take work. So there's time for that. Like we have Wednesdays. Wednesdays at like usually 8.39 ish. Cell phones go away. You know, that's our night. And then Friday and Saturday nights and usually Sunday nights. So we have yeah. like four nights a week. Um, but Monday, Tuesday, and, and Thursday, it's like we see each other morning. We, and, you know, we see each other, but we don't really, you know, we each do our thing, which is cool. Yeah. Um, and that's important because my wife's you know, a really intelligent woman. She's got a lot of you know, things going on and she's got a lot of projects. So um, it's good that we have our space. Um, and uh, so I would just say like just focus and discipline is, is the key. Meditation is good. Exercise. I mean, like at the end of the day, if you don't feel 100% physically, how are you going to feel 100% mentally? Yeah. Like, you know, and maybe I feel like I sometimes have a little harsher view of like um, – weight management than most people only and maybe because I went through it and I understand yep. I feel like it's like I almost I understand the pain that you're going through <laughs> yeah. and it's like I, I want you to get out of that so bad um you know and just anything else it's just like jujitsu it's just like starting a business it's just like you know losing weight it it sucks in the beginning it's always the yeah. worst but if you just stay focused if you just stay focused on your goal you'll you'll get it you'll achieve it yep. you know and then it gets super easy after that mm -hmm. you know i hate running but running's easy you know i love training but training's easy too now you know like it's it's fun um meditating was very hard at first i was so super bad at it. i don't even know i'm super <laughs> bad at it now but it's like at least i've, I've really gotten to a nice groove yeah um and that's something i can do every day you know it's 20 minutes um, so that, that would be it. I think, I think if, you know, and tying it back in is rolling with Simon, right? So jujitsu, if you guys are listening and you guys are jujitsu players, you're thinking about it, if you're thinking about it, do it. And if you're there, it's just like, just show up. That's it. Like, yep. you're not, it, it, let me preface. As long as you're not sick and ill and you're getting everyone else ill <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> ringworm. Yeah. Or ringworm, you know, don't show up then. But for the most part, you had a rough day at work, just show up, just go drill. You're tired, just go drill. If you have a slight injury, you're not like, I don't know, if your arm's broken, don't go roll. But if you, you know, tweaked your neck, just go drill, don't yep. roll. And, and be, be aware of your body, you know, like m the vast majority of you won't be UFC fighters, just statistically. And, and that's okay, you know, that's not meant for everyone. If you guys have never gotten punched or kicked in the face for it, it sucks, you know, like, <laughs> that's how I knew I didn't want to be a UFC fighter. Yeah. One of my first sparring things, I got kicked in the head and I got knocked out. And I was like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, like, That's the end of that. But um, yeah, and that, that would be it. Just just stay focused, stay disciplined. Find your groove. You know, it's it's within you to do it. Yep. Human beings are divine beings to some extent. However you interpret that is one way. But we have the unlimited infinite potential. We are infinity. And, and anything is possible, you know, with the right focus and effort. Um, and I do believe that. And of course, there are without a doubt systemic barriers, um, 
So it's up to us who don't have those barriers to kind of, you know, help to, to remove them Absolutely. and empower more people. Because, um, you know, once we really get the entirety of humanity really humming, we're going to see acceleration just go through. Mm. You know, you think it's good now. Wait until we don't have, you know, 20% of the U.S. population in abject poverty, you know. Like, yeah. um, but that can't be done under the current paradigm. So that's the, you know. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, um, that's awesome. Uh, I know you mentioned your wife and, you know, how you, you know, manage your time. Yeah. Um, spend time with her. Um, I know I'm getting married getting soon. Married, right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> so single ladies back off. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know. I think it was funny when we were going to the diner, um, I was going through a really rough time with my confidence. Yeah. Um, were you, had you met your wife yet? No, 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 right? no, no, no. Yeah. I, you know, I was actually pursuing after, well, no, even then I think I wasn't even pursuing anybody, but I was, I had some interests, you know, and I was trying, but I kept getting shut down. Dude, that's you know? soul crushing. <laughs> I've been there, man. I've been there. It, it's, uh, I mean, it hurts, that, guys and girls can relate that. It yeah. is just... Getting rejected when you have your hopes up is just, especially with a romantic interest. Yeah, it's just like it's the worst. You know, I can't curse in your podcast, but it's, it's rough. Yeah, you know? I get it's it. tough, man. So I know you've um, you've shared with me, you know, uh, some advice, and you know, I think the biggest one was just stop caring about what people think. You know, I think that was the big one that I really needed to um, sink my teeth on. Yeah, yeah. right. Like, it literally, like. I didn't meet my fiance until I stopped caring about yeah. what people think. Totally. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what it is, but women can smell desperation. Because when I was like, there's these, there's this one girl that I was like, please. <laughs> and yeah. she was just like. That might not be a strong strategy. Yeah, yeah. Get away. <laughs> I, I think that you, the moral of your story though, and I think this is true for anyone looking for a relationship, you'll never find the right person until you yourself are right. Yes. Until yeah. you know, you know, if you've come to peace with your existence and mm. you have your clarity, you know, and that takes introspection. You know, you have to dedicate time to think. I spend a lot of time thinking, you know, like- Same here, yeah. You know, just, just thinking like, you know, all right, just think about this, think about that. Like, and I don't mean like in a rush, I mean like taking time to sit down and just chill out and just be like, okay, like, yeah, where am I? Where am I doing? What are we going? What's going on? You know, I think it's critical because that's where, you know, that's your source of infinity. That's where the ideas are going to come from. You know, mm -hmm. you can't just go through the doldrum every day and expect it to change. But yeah. Yeah. yeah it's funny. Cause, um, you know, I, I went through this phase of just thinking and, uh, you know, to add to that thinking part was, I looked for guys that, you know, in the gym, you know, that I really respected, yeah. you know, and, it, you know, I, I'm, you know, Sung, who's, who's another person I plan on um, interviewing, um, he's a uh, oncology doctor, um, you know, but he's also, he also trains jujitsu and, you know, has two kids, he's a phenomenal guy. Um, he helped me a lot with my confidence as well, you know, and it was just this state of, getting advice from multiple people, you know, and also people, you know, my friends from, um, you know, my life and, um, you know, my relationships in the church and things like that. Um, a lot of it was thinking, right? I spent like a, a good six months where I was like, all right, no more trying to run after, you know, some girl or whatever. And just literally working on my, who I am. And, and like you said, my existence, yeah. right? Um, so just to encourage, you know, the guys out there and the women out there, if you're struggling, um, with your confidence and things like that, you know, maybe it takes, maybe it's time to just take a step back and just look into yourself and really develop 
who you are, you know, as a person. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate, you know, the time you gave me, um, tell me, get, get to this point, you know? Yeah. And even then, you I'm know. I'm happy it helps, yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm happy to be a part of your life. You yeah, know, no, I appreciate it. We have and, a nice family at the gym, you yeah, know, right? yeah. we really do. And, and yeah. it's the same thing at Matt's gym. I mean, it's funny to hear you say that you found influence throughout, you know, the guys at the gym, because I did the same thing, man. I was growing yeah. up in you know, my early to mid-20s, mm -hmm. and these are the guys I looked up to, and they were great guys, yeah. great guys, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah, it's very, um, you know, I was telling, uh, so now I teach on Thursdays and I always have this session at the end called Thursday's Thoughts. Nice. Where like, I break our, you know, I, I talk to the, to the, you know, people that came into class and, you know, when we pay our fees, like you think about it, it's like you're, you know, a lot of people go into the, to the jujitsu school thinking like, I'm paying my money to go train, yeah. right? But when you really look at it at a deeper level, when you pay your dues, um, you have this wide network yeah. of so many talented people. And that gave me the idea for the show to begin with. You know, it's just like, why, why are we, you know, you look on online and all you see is um, the best grapplers being interviewed and things like that. But there's so many people in this, in this world that are doing things that, you know, I mean, like, yeah, it's great that you have somebody that's at the highest level of his game. But he's only doing that. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's not doing that and has two kids and has, you know, and is saving people's lives. You know what I mean? Like, like you know, we're running two companies yeah, yeah. and it has a wife and, you know, and, and, you know, I know you love dogs as well. You have a, <laughs> you have a dog, you know. Um, but, you know, men that, and, and you know, and women that juggle um, multiple things and can do it so well. That's something that I look at. I'm just like, wow, it's phenomenal. So, you know, um, hopefully... You know, I can get sung in and, you know, talk about his perspective on helping me with finding a woman. But yeah. I just wanted to thank you for you know, your time. And probably do less political, um, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, who knows, man? I don't know. But, um, yeah, I mean. No, you thanks for having me, man. Yeah. I, I mean, it was a good time. Yeah. So one more thing just to end out the show. Um, something quirky. You mentioned Mag Magic the Gathering. I <laughs> oh, did. Magic the Gathering. <laughs> and, I mean, I, gaming. Right? I don't want to make. I don't play it often. Yeah. You know, I don't. I seriously, I don't play it often because I would only play online now. Like I don't play with like friends or anything like that. So when you say gaming, you you're talking about I, well, that. you know, like like. So I believe you know going back to like time management. I do believe in giving yourself personal time. So like yeah. on a Saturday, like if my wife's not around or even if she is around, like I might take two hours and just like play some video games or I might play <laughs> magic. Or something. But I, I try to avoid magic. Because, man, if I play Magic once, wow. it's like I'm playing it for a month. You know, I just can't. That's interesting. Yeah, and it, it Magic is the kind of thing, I swear this is true. If I play Magic, it, it pervades my thoughts. I'll be working and wow. be like, man, I really want to play Magic. <laughs> I swear to God, it is addicting. And you know what it is? I think it's from, like, you know, going back to our very start of the conversation when you're a kid and, like, yes. how these things influence you. Magic was, like, my social – Magic when I was in my, like, you know, 10 to tween level like magic was my only source of like recognition and positivity my family was going through like a weird point oh, in time oh, okay. and that was like my escape and i just really i loved magic i yeah. would play magic all the time and i was i was fairly good at it um and i'm not very good at it anymore which is <laughs> which is frustrating right yeah, yeah. it's like it's probably some like crazy level yeah. korean level right? <laughs> guys are good but um, <laughs> I try to avoid magic. I, I do love the game. It's a great game. But it's like it's not, it's not a game I can play and be a good husband, 
be a good executive director, be a good CEO. I just can't do it because like when I should be working, I'm like, well, what if I sneak a game of magic? And then it turns into three hours. Yeah. You know? And yeah, it's like, yeah, well, that's so funny. now it's three o'clock on a Thursday and I've just wasted half my day. You know? Yeah. So I just, uh, I just say no. I just call, I'm a, I'm a cold turkey kind of guy. Yeah. You know, if, I gotta, here. if I gotta do something, yeah. I can't wean myself off. I don't have that kind of personality. It's just gotta be done. When I chose to be a vegetarian, it was like, I'm done. No more wow. meat. It's been nine months, you know, Incredible. like, and that's just how it went. Um, and it's just like, but it, you know, I couldn't like have meat one day a week, you know, so yeah, that's it. That's, that's yeah, so that's funny. my quirkiness, I guess. But yeah, it's good to have your personal quirks. I Absolutely. think that's, that's what makes you, you. Yeah. You know? Mine is, uh, well back in that time was Counter-Strike and Starcraft. <laughs> Starcraft. <laughs> I was so oh, bad at those games. Oh, you were, oh, okay, okay. Terrible. Yeah, that was, oh my goodness. I was like, there's so it. many Zerg. <laughs> <laughs> I have one tank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it brings back a lot of memories, but yeah, we all have our little interesting quirks, right? So, but yeah, thank you so much thank you for, uh, for having coming. Me, man. It was a and, good time. Uh, yeah, it was. It was an awesome time. So, hopefully, we can do this again, yeah. uh, do a follow up, and um, yeah, get home safe, and yeah, we'll see you in the mats. Cool. See you soon. <laughs> all right, man. Awesome. <laughs>